Amen. The words again to that last song that we sang. If you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you're in it with me, I'll begin. And when you say jump, I'm diving in. If you say be still, then I will wait. If you say trust, I will obey. I don't want to follow my own way. I'm done chasing feelings. And uh, that definitely... Uh, summarizes Thank you. this subject of following Jesus and um, <clears throat> I continue to just meditate on this and uh, how it all connects and um, <laughs> it's so true I usually get tested on the word that I share before I get to the house and it's not far and um, so Kevin ran over to me after the meeting and says, hey, I want to just connect with you for a minute before you get talking to somebody else and, or anybody else. And we're talking, sharing, sharing, relating some things. And, and um, I reference a conference that um, Phyllis and I would have liked to have gone to in Tampa, Florida, of all places. <clears throat> it's uh, um, Clay Clark and... Um, and it's the health and healing um, conference. There was one in Tulsa that was just phenomenal. And so this is at Rodney Howard Brown's church down in Florida. And uh, we were listening to Clay Clark's testimony about how he came to this place of really engaging. And uh, uh, what's amazing about Clay Clark is that along with um, um, all of a sudden it's the prophet um, Kim Clement had prophesied about Donald Trump way back. He never got to see that come. He also prophesied about Mr. Clark. And no one knew who is Mr. Clark. Are we talking Clark Kent? Are we, you know, who's, who's Mr. Clark? Who's Mr. Clark? Well, the real, real Mr. Clark stand up. And uh, it was a man that graduated from um, um, Oral Roberts University, met his wife there, and uh, went on to be a successful... Um, he is. Uh, he 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 leads leaders. He he uh, he works with businesses and, and people that are that have businesses to help them and uh, um, encourage them and give them wisdom and advice. And he has only has 160 clients. Like he has a small group that he's committed to, and he really prospers uh, doing that. And um, by his own admission, his testimony keep. Though he graduated from Oral Roberts, he just was not that spiritually minded. He says, I believe in tongues, but they kind of bother me. I don't like speaking in tongues, you know. And uh, just kind of that kind of person, but a very, very aggressive. He's like the he's he's like the lost twin brother of Donald Trump. He gets up at three every morning, goes to bed at nine, and just is go, 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 one of those one of those people. And um, very, very intense. Um, I don't know, what, how, what's his age? Would you say in his 40s, maybe? And when COVID hit, all of his clients, these people he has all this relationship with and helps, they started crashing. Their businesses were just going down the tubes and was very engaged in seeing them be successful. To the point that he was grieved, he said he's actually, I think he related that he's actually up one night just crying, like 
so distraught about what had happened because he was that involved in all of these lives and, uh, and what they were doing. And he begins to pray for direction about how to help them and uh, deal with things. So he becomes an adamant researcher about the true statistics of COVID, uh, the, the, there actually were cures, uh, and he, he starts pumping out information about medicines like um, hydroxychloroquine, um, um, ivermectin, different things, and he says, you text me, and I would, had, I would hear him at times because he began to interview, have these fireside chats with Lynn Wood, who has be also become a big, big player in this patriot movement. And um, so I would listen to those fireside chats, so that's how I became a little bit familiar with, with uh, Clay Clark. And um, um, so there's up to nine, 10 of those, or 11 of those. They're very, very good, very informative. And um, so he, he starts just encouraging his people to find ways to overcome and uh, give them good information about what was going on. And then he wanted to have a gathering and he couldn't find any church that was willing, any, any building that was willing to allow him to gather because you of course weren't supposed to gather. And, um, but he, he, he felt strongly that, that they needed to have something. And uh, he went to Rama, who, uh, Rama Bible College, which is actually one of his clients. And they also said, no, we're afraid of getting sued. And he goes home, he's grieved about this. He's like, this isn't right. He reads some scriptures and he says, this isn't right. We're not to be, we're not to be, live under fear. We've got to go after this. We've got to stand up. So he approaches, he turns around and calls these people to, hey, we've got to, we've got to be fearless. Like we can't be under this fear. We can't live under this. And so they decide to have that conference and it was hugely successful. Sidney um, Powell was there, General Flynn, uh, and just a whole entourage of patriots and doctors um, and specialists that are giving good information about what's really going on. And so uh, it was a huge thing, and I, I was hearing bits and pieces about it. Lynn Wood was there, just big, big uh, group of people. I think they had 4,500 people at this, at this event. So then he decided to do part two, and it's in Tampa, and Rodney Howard Brown offered his church. Rodney Howard Brown actually got taken to jail uh, when COVID started. He still had his meeting, so they arrested him. And uh, he fought that one, and he started, I didn't even know what had become of him. He started having meetings every day. Like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna, I'm just going forward. And so he did that. and. Um, he offers, he has a field of dreams outside of his church that's like this big area. He actually is in the process, it'll be finished by the time of the conference, build a big dome over it so they could accommodate 10,000 people at this event in Florida. So Phyllis and I hear this testimony of all this, and I had already known about it. And it was, there were several things like, I'm like, Wow, I'd really love to go to one of these different kind of conferences that are going on now, and uh, it's the patriots and the and the spiritual people, and you know, are are coming together, and it's a very exciting, powerful thing to see. And um, she says, "I'd like to go to that." I jump off the couch. It's probably one of our early morning times. I'm on my way, and I get about to where the calendar hands hangs in the kitchen, and I stopped. I went, 
we can't go. This is June 17th, 18th, 19th. I said, this is Ashley's delivery date. Like, we can't leave. Like, what are we thinking? She's like, oh, yeah, you're right. We can't do that. So I'm relating that story to Kevin. And I've just preached about following Jesus and how when he says, follow me, excuses aren't good to come up with. Like, you either do or you don't. Very, you know. So I'm preaching that, and Kevin just looks at me, and he's like, oh, Rick, I really feel something on that. Like, you should go. And I'm, I'm looking at him with horror like, I know what I've just preached. And I just said, I can't do that to Ashley, okay? I'm like, oh, no, that would be the hardest thing because I've been looking forward to this as well because I'm planning on nabbing up the grandson to stay with us and stuff like that through the delivery. So I'm, I'm engaged in this and um, looking forward to it, actually. Uh, I'll have nothing to do with the pain and suffering. I'll be, you know, you know that's where my, where my plans were. <laughs> And uh, so I go to the house, and some of this comes up with Ashley. She stopped for lunch, and Kevin just couldn't even release me. Like He's just like, wow. mm," He gets that serious look. And it's like it's important that we don't play games with one another and try to, like, you say something. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Just say and leave it alone. Let the person deal with it. That's very powerful. It's the most convicting thing you could do. And and later, Kevin tells me, he goes, I was thinking about calling you later that day, like, Rick, you need to reconsider this. And he's just like, no, I need to just let it alone. Well, meanwhile, Ashley says, you know, yeah, if you guys want to go, we don't know when the date is. And she goes, I'll be fine. You can't come to the hospital anyways. Like, what does it matter, you know? I'm like, wow. Because that was where I was really like, I just didn't feel released. But it's like, this is hard. So I had one more conversation with her the next morning, and she goes, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm good. We'll deal with all the whatever. So it's a very hard issue to trust in, but I made a decision that to go. So we're going to this conference in June. Uh, so we'll you know, be gone like the, from the 15th till the 21st. And um, I here, here's what, I mean, it was not an easy decision to make. I'll just tell you that. Like, that's, that was hard. It's hard to walk, leave this and just go. But, and especially relationally, so I, I, I made sure <clears throat> that it was good. Um, that was important. Like, if you have a commitment or thing with someone, you've got to work that out with them. It's not a, you know, it was good. I did that. And um, I've come to this that it's more important for me to follow Jesus. If I want to guarantee things go well up here with this delivery, the most effective thing I can do is to be sure I'm following the Lord and doing what he wants me to do. If I do this, he'll take care of that. And it's actually where my confidence is. Otherwise, I'd be like, wow, this is hard. There's, we have to come to this place where we start, where we follow and we trust, and we make sure that first things are first. And there's times when it's going to be tough. But I found 
that when I obey, and I've, I've had all kinds of awesome things happen out of I just obey something. I feel led. I push through the difficulties of it, and I do that. And, and it's this simple. I want to be clear. Like, I didn't hear a voice from God like, go to this conference. It wasn't that, you know. It seldom is. It could be, but it seldom is that. But I've made this, I've worked out this thing with the Lord. If I have a yes in my spirit when I hear about something or see something, I'm going to do that. And if I'm feeling fear, manipulation, obligation, da 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 da, then I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna tr- because when I do things out of those other things, I'm miserable. I, I just am. It doesn't go well. I don't have grace. I don't feel like I'm following the Lord. I feel like I'm, yeah, out of, out of control in a bad way. And so, when, but when I recognize I have this yes in my spirit about something, like that's how I have this agreement with the Lord, because I don't hear real well all the time, but I, I have that. I'm like, I have a yes or I have a no inside. I think it's safe to, to encourage you, follow that yes in your spirit or that no in your spirit. And, and trust me, there's some good things I want to do, and the spirit's like, you're getting that frown, you know, from heaven. You just feel it, like try to talk God into something or try to talk your wife into something. or You know, we start. We start our thing, you know. Yeah, but, you know, we start. And um, it, it really works out well to just, just follow that and Shut your brain off and just just do. Just follow. And so I've been doing that, and as I've, as I've been uh, talking about this, some things connected with following Jesus. Then we went to Philippians 1.6, and uh, there's this promise that he will perfect in us. We can turn there quickly. That, we, that he will perfect in us the work that he began. So let me get my Bible open to Philippians So in this following, man, there's, there's a lot of voices out there that come out when you go to make a decision about something, when you're pondering it or you see it. You have to learn to navigate through those things. And we cannot claim to be free if it's those voices that stop us, move us, direct us, like... Under the lordship of Jesus Christ, who's Lord? <laughs> Even people are not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Like, your obligation in your walk is to first be accountable to him and what he's saying. And you may get all kinds of stuff, but you've got to make a decision, count the cost, you may get rejected. You may have people talk behind your back. They may write things on Facebook about you. We are so fearful of socially being out of the loop. Like, how did we get so fearful of this thing? But it, it's you, you go, oh, I'm not. Go ahead and say that, and then just watch and see what you just discover about yourself. Like... You don't think you are, but it happens. And, uh, and so following Jesus, that's one of the big demons is being 
unacceptable, like being socially shunned, feel like someone doesn't think it's good, like, and don't try to convince people. Just know in your own heart, this is what I should do. This is where I'm at. This is what I... And if you stay in that, and it's between you and the Lord, you'll stay peaceful. If, if not, you'll be angry and snap back. Like, so there's a difference when you, when you feel you have conviction and you feel free to follow the conviction. Then you're like, yeah, I know. But it's what I feel I'm supposed to do. It's where I'm supposed to go. But here was the revelation I had. Was that... Uh, Philippians 1.6, I pray with great faith for you because I am fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he who began a good work in you, when did the work begin? And maybe I'm wrong. But I'm, in this context, I'm believing the work begins when Jesus says, follow me, and you do. Then the work begins. Now, your experience may be, this isn't going well. This is hellish. This is hard. This is whatever. The reason, the real reason that it's hard, following is simple, unless you've got issues, if you didn't have issues, you'd, you'd be a better husband. You'd be a better wife. Like, what's, what's all that conflict? Getting over yourself, being self-centered, being stubborn, being offended, being whatever. Like, the trouble comes from you. If we, you know, if, if you didn't have stuff, and, and here's why this is important. The Lord's got to work this stuff out in us. He's working in us. What's that mean? That means a remodel while you're still living in the house. It's miserable. Drywall, dust all over the place, tools, stuff, whatever. It's chaotic. It's a very stressful thing. It's in the top 10. Going on vacation, remodeling your house, you know, there's, you know, buying all those things are like top 10 things that are most stressful. And when that remodeling is going on in you, and things are tore apart before they can be put back together. It's like whatever, but it has to happen. This is how Jesus works. He says, here, come follow me. You're like, oh, yeah, I can follow you anywhere. And then you get a little bit into it. You go, oh, whoa, whoa, where are we going? You know, the first question, okay, I'll follow you. Where are we going? And Jesus just looks back and at you and say, uh, maybe he would say, does it matter? Yeah, I need to know. Why? Isn't that the tormenting thing in stuff? Like we believe the Lord for something, and then the process about makes us nuts. What's this waiting? What's this detour? What's this obstruction? What's this endless delay? And this situation with Sarah and Mike, like so, I know all of our young adults, it just... It just, when they found out the news that Sarah was pregnant, like, it, it, it did something to them all. Because they were waiting and believing with her and watching this. And they would get pregnant and knew Sarah was. It was like, it was just there. It was there in the whole, and she wasn't doing, she was amazing through it. 
but you're aware someone, if someone's not getting healed and three other people are, are you not aware of the person that's, that's not getting it? Like, and, and all you can say is, I know the Lord's not a respecter of persons. I don't have answers for you, but don't quit. That's all I know. Don't quit believing. Hang it. Wait. Wait on the Lord. There's some, you're in a process. If you're following Jesus, then you follow him. And you're on your own time schedule. It doesn't matter how it's working out for anybody. Like, it's, this is about you and him. And, and so the, the, the work begins. And so when, when we follow, like, do you, do you have faith first to follow? Or do you have obedience first to follow? And you find it's, it's inseparable. Because the faith without works or without doing, without following is dead. If you say you're following Jesus and you're sitting Conjuring up believing, probably not doing anything. You're not too much ahead of the three-year-old that's pretending. Drive the car, drive the car, you know? Like, that's cute for a three-year-old. But a 16-year-old, you want them to be behind the wheel, like time to learn to drive the car. Don't sit in your bedroom going, drive the car, drive the car. Like, do it, you know? I'm tired of hauling you around. So... The action is so important. I'm realizing how important it is. And, and it's, it's a relief. It's simple. All you have to do is follow. Wake up in the morning. Jesus, show me. I want to follow you today. It takes a lot of stress off. Because if he's asking you to follow him, then there is a grace granted to follow him. There's a grace given to do it. And if you claim otherwise or you're building a story otherwise, something's wrong. Because he gives grace for you to do what he's asking you to do. You can do it just because I know he won't ask you to do something you cannot do. He, he won't do that without his grace, you know, including he will give you his grace to do it, to walk. And so grace is so important. I know all week in my text, like I was focusing on the comfort text, I was focusing on grace, grace, because we need to take a second look at you know, the power of grace and what we have of the access that we have to grace. So following activates walking with the Lord and, and this, this process in, in us. It activates it. When you sin, let me subject to you that you quit following for that moment or that day or that week or that month or that seven years. You, you, dising, you can't follow Jesus and sin. I'll probably, whatever. I'm telling you, if you want the Lord to be at work in your life, you've got to stay engaged in the following. If he says stop, stop. If he says go, go. If he says jump, leap. If he says sit still, sit still. That's the following. When you do that, he is at work in your life. The tragedy is seeing people that have been Christians for many years and there's no change. There's no depth of spirituality. Listen, folks, honestly, if I could set... The past me right here, like from just thinking back to the time when I married Phyllis, like the transformation, like 
I'm almost not the same person because so many things have changed. Why? Because I've been in the process and it has not looked pretty most of the time. I, I couldn't do much of anything that I didn't spiritually crash. I couldn't go to a conference without getting stone drunk, depressed. It was weird. Everybody else having a good time, I just would be riddled with condemnation. People look at me like, what is your problem? Can't really tell you because <laughs> I don't know myself, but obviously I've got issues, okay? A mess, sarcastic, like all, all kind of things. I didn't, I didn't know how to, there were elements. I thought I was a great husband and I'm like, I get these moments, they just come. I'm, I'm doing someone else's, you know, doing renewal vows for someone else's for their, you know, ceremony. And I'm reading some material. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like lights came on. I'm like, oh, this is for me. Like, <laughs> I saw something I'd not, not seen. I didn't even know there was a problem till I, till I, till I read and got, I'm like, uh, enlightenment. I'm like, oh boy. And I made a change. There was grace to change. I started looking at my marriage, my relationship differently. And so you're in the process. I don't care if it's ugly. Realize, but the Lord's at work in me. That's why it's not going good, because there's some nasty stuff that needs to get routed out. My unbelief needs to be confronted. My attitudes need to be confronted. My self-centeredness needs to be dealt with, like so that I can freely follow. Because it's not that hard until you're stubborn. Look at our little ones. We're trying to manage them. They're like, no, yeah, you know, you give them instruction. Don't touch that. Do this. It's, it's not like we're, try, we're you know, trying to put them through pain and suffering. When does the pain and suffering come in? When they won't listen, right? Or they get hurt. We're like, I told you. I said, hot, don't touch. Why the pain? Because of us. So don't be stubborn. Don't be like the mule. Be set your heart to follow and to stay where he says to stay and to wait on the Lord and entangle yourself in him. See what happens. Peter gets this. We won't turn there, but he gets this initial follow me in Mark 1.17. And here in the end, in John 21.21, He's asking, hey, what's going to happen to the beloved over there that's always on your, you know, kissing up to you? Like, you know, I'm your favorite one. What's going to happen with him? And Jesus looks at him and says, that's none of your concern. What's it matter to you if he's, if he's still alive till I, I, I come back? Because Jesus had just indicated that Peter was going to die as a martyr. He's like, huh. Well, what about that one? Is he going to have to die for you too? Like, is he? We, we want to know. It's like, no, all that matters to you is what I'm doing with you and where I'm taking you. I want to mix in with this because grace is so much a part. When you get your eyes off of being in his grace, then you'll feel you've got to fix yourself. You'll feel like you've got to fix other people. You feel like you've got to come up with a ministry, a fruitful thing, a, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life? But if you're following, the Lord will give you. 
uh, what you need. And we have, to, we have to embrace living in grace, that it's not of works so that you can't boast. It's an empowerment that comes from heaven. And with that empowerment, you can do uh, literally everything. Dietrich Bonhoeffer moves into this um, section, this, this thing about grace. And uh, the name of the book is The Cost of Discipleship. And it was the best illustration of something that I think we all need to hear. And he starts to talk about the, the name of this, uh, the title of this chapter is Costly Grace. And so that's the big debate about grace. Do you do anything to deserve it? No. It's just free. It's a gift. The finished work of Christ, it's done. You can't, you can't do anything to add to that. It's, it's a finished deal. Just believe. So we go around, and then it turns into some other things, as we know. We've experienced that even here with some people that are long gone. But um, it's very, it was a very destructive thing, and it was about this subject of grace and how you live your life. Dietrich begins to, to say here, I'll just read this small section. He says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ. Living and incarnate. So, in this subject of following Jesus, you can't afford to live like that, and there is a cost to following, and there's a cost to the grace you enter into. And you can't, you can't look at it as just a given it to engage the Lord working in your life. You have to follow. Costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. For the sake of, of it, a man will gladly go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy, which the merchant will sell uh, all his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ, for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And I've been ministering this to people in conversations as things come up, and this, this answers so much stuff for people. They go, oh, I'm like, just follow and all the other rhetoric and all of the other figuring out, you know, and gazing at navels and trying to figure out what's wrong with me, it all just gets absolved with this, follow Jesus. Just follow him. He'll work it out. He'll work on you. Even if you're struggling, keep following Jesus. Follow him. Cry out for grace. So it's not, it, it, it's like stay engaged in following. If you disengage, you may, the pain may let up some, but you won't be in process anymore. It is costly because it costs a man his life. 
And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin and grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. You were bought at a price, and what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. Costly grace is the sanctuary of God. It has to be protected from the world and not thrown to the dogs. It is therefore the living word, the word of God, which he speaks as it pleases him. Costly grace confronts us as a gracious call to follow Jesus. It comes as a word of forgiveness to the broken spirit and the contrite heart. Grace is costly because it compels a man to submit to the yoke of Christ and follow him. It is grace because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It may not even be appropriate for us to say it's hard to follow Jesus. Because in essence, it's easy. The yoke is light. The burden is light. The yoke is easy. If you just yield and follow, the hardness is our stubbornness or the strongholds that exist. And that's what Jesus wants to eradicate in your life. He wants to get rid of the strongholds. Don't you want to get rid of the strongholds? If you do, stop protecting them. Stop going like this. Mm, don't, don't touch that. <laughs> and Jesus is like, no, I, I need to get in there. I need to work on that. You'll feel better if you let me. You know, it's like your children if they have a splinter. Like, no, no, don't come at me with a needle, you know. It's like, if I don't, you'll be in some serious pain later. I have to do this. It'll hurt a little, but you'll be okay. Why do we do that? Because we want to hurt them? No, because we want to relieve them from something that could become more pain. And so Peter, his whole life, the last thing Jesus says to him is, as for you, you follow me. This is at the end of Jesus' ministry to him. It, it, he calls him, he starts out with, follow me. And here he is at graduation ceremony. You follow me. That's my answer to you. You follow me. I realize there's an anointing. There is something that happens when Jesus, when people perceive Jesus is calling them to follow. I would hope to see every person be able to say, I know the Lord has called me to follow him. I said yes. And then that, that's not a one-time, I got baptized thing. That's a continual, you've got to stay in that. So you can sit in church you can sing a Christian song. You can go through motions. The reality, hard word maybe, it doesn't mean you're following Jesus. It can be useless if it's only exterior and in here you're not following. Like only you know, am I following Jesus? Am I commit your way to the Lord and wait and see how he directs your paths? It's that simple. Everything that you're up against, big decisions, make sure first you commit it to the Lord.
Make sure before you run to other sources, I would encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, ask him first. And then he can use however, whatever, whoever that he wants. But there is a, a grace to do this, and it needs to be our testimony. Like, are you building a story for the enemy that God's not working in your life? Or are you putting together a story where you go, the Lord's been faithful to me. I keep committing things. To, I've gone through some hard things, but at the end, he's always there. He always works it out. He delivered me. He healed me, touched me. He's, he's good. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. And in doing that, I'm blessed. I'm taken care of. That's the testimony of my life. And look back at, at, at failures and faults and, and things like, oh, Lord. Like, but he's kind in those if when I'm following him, he takes care of it. And he keeps working on me. I keep, I keep staying in the game. I keep staying. It, sometimes it's the, if, if that's all you can do, just stay in. Stay on the path. The Lord, trust the Lord will work all this. He's working in you. He will perfect it until the day of Jesus. It doesn't end. It doesn't end on this. Like, it doesn't end till it ends. He keeps working. He's changing. He will train, change you. He will transform you. And, and the way can be much easier if you just say, if you just yield to that. I'm praying for an anointing uh, to come on me that I have the anointing, the authority to call people to follow Jesus. I'd never prayed that before, but I wrote it down in my journal. Like I'm praying for that. If you want to pray for me for something, pray for that anointing to come. Listening to a um, prophet on Elijah's streams. What was her name, Rob, that I told you? Wanda, yeah. Wanda something. Alger? Something like that. Alger. Real neat lady, but she was, she was just talking so many neat things. And, um, and Steve Schultz confirmed this. And, the, and he said, all the prophets that I have on, he said, they've quit the last week, week and a half. They've stopped talking about what's coming as far as the anointing and the move of God. And they've started talking about what is here, what has begun. The popcorn is starting to pop. And in that move, and here's what Wanda said. She said, the move of God, the anointing that's coming is going to be greater than the restoration of Donald Trump. Which if you're in on that, that's like, oh, you know, waiting for that day. She said, and this, it really blessed me because I've, I've just been concerned about that. Like, I don't want that to become bigger than the move of God. And this is a word that says the move of God will be greater than that. Though that'll be great celebration to change all this chaos that's going on around us. That, that he gets, and she said, restored, not reelected, but restored to his rightful place. That the move of God that's coming is even greater. She said people, and she's had this, these encounters with the Lord recently. People are going to, people that have uh, uh, strongholds of addiction and all kinds of things. Like the Lord, he loves to love on people. And this, this issue of just walking in the grace of God and following Jesus and just repenting. Repent when you sin or you fail. Just make, make sure you do that. 
You don't have to wake up in the morning and repent for things you don't know what you did. Like, you'll know. And just keep it flowing. Like, if it's unbelief, repent. Just when you see it, repent for it. And, and the things that were, were like broken, like, when will I ever get over this thing? When will I ever overcome? Jesus, he, she said, she saw him like more than willing to come and embrace and relieve. And people are going to get set free. And it's going to be not just the issue they're crying out for, but it's going to be everything else in their life as well. And they're going to be totally changed. When I'm listening to um, Mike Thompson, was that the another um, guest that was on Elijah Streams that's... Uh, uh, maybe my age, I'm not sure his age. Um, and he's doing a podcast. He had this revelation about praying from the third heaven. And it was so good. But in his testimony, when the Lord uh, met him and took him up and had this experience, he said, I was free from all the condemnation. This is someone in the ministry. I was I was so, it was so amazing. I felt so good. I was so free from all the condemnation. Now, this is like bad juju, but it's like I, I struggle with heaviness. It has to do with this sense of never being enough and never doing enough. Uh, maybe I'm not alone. I wish I was. But it's like it's always this foreboding thing. It's hard to break out of. And people around, yeah, you did, you did this, you did that, you're okay, you're whatever. But he, I, when he talked, I'm like, oh, be so nice to be totally free from that that thing where you're 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 just never making like you're not what you should be, and uh, that 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 thing of past things and decisions and whatever and that keeps coming up. The move of the Lord's coming. It's here. It's starting, and we are not going to be left out. And and I was so encouraged to hear this. It's coming, and it's not about striving for it. It's just. Just follow Jesus. You, you will be in the way. You'll be in it. Just, just set your heart to follow and, and enter the grace of God. You will not be missed. And, and keep your, just keep your heart open to, and it, you'll, it will come. I'm so excited. I really, I really bore witness with this. This is coming, and it doesn't surprise me. It's coming right in this chaos and this craziness we're trying to, to live through and work through. That's coming. I want to be there. Start praying for the anointing. When the anointing's on you, when that spirit falls, wow, everything's different. It really is different. It's as it should be. <laughs> I wish I could live in that all the time. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, this is not complicated. This is simple. We want to follow you. We want being led by the Spirit. We talk about it all the time. It's simply following. Following or not following. Being rebellious or being yielding to you. I want to choose to just be yielded to you. I want to commit my way to you. And I ask you to show me the way to go. And I ask for the grace that I can go. The ability to obey you and follow you. And whatever you ask for me to do. I don't look to myself or my ability, my strength to do that. I look to you, to the one who is faithful. If you call me, you will enable me. If you began a good work in me, you will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I intend to stay engaged with you so that that work 
is not interrupted, that the process continues on. And that anything I'm going through is, is to, for me to be perfected. It's drawing out the things. It's pulling out things that, that are just a problem anyways. So I ask for, an, uh, for the grace to come for any wall that exists in anyone's heart to not be receiving your grace. I ask that be pulled down in Jesus' name, that we all can experience the grace to follow you with all of our hearts and have you in our sights be looking at you out the front window, not gawking out the side windows or the rear window, but the front window where we're going and to see you and know you as you lead me by day and by night. You're faithful. You're a faithful shepherd. I want to follow you up this path to the high places. And if you disappear, I want to be able to trust that you'll come back as you're faithful to your word. And I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Follow Jesus.